You're listening to Focus on the Bible. On a recent episode of our Focus on the Bible radio show, I made a point that is extremely important towards understanding the gospel message. While that show was overwhelmingly met with amens and thumbs up replies and a lot of encouragement from people, there was a bit of argument in some comments, only a few, which precisely made my point. Did Jesus tell Nicodemus everything that he needed to do to have everlasting life? Or did Jesus leave something out? Did Nicodemus need to learn of some other missing elements through exploring the whole Bible before he could do everything that he needed to do to have everlasting life? Or did Jesus tell him plainly and clearly that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life? Let's talk about this. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 16, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, Jesus repeated that again in John 6, 47, when he said, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Such simplicity, such clarity, such plainness is a hallmark of gospel dialogue in the Bible. These gospel snapshots where we come face to face with real people like Nicodemus, they spill the beans on what to do to have everlasting life. And they agree together that in every age, in every conversation of the Bible, we see very plainly that it's by faith alone that we are saved by grace. But inevitably, as was true in the Bible, it's still true today that people argue against such biblical sincerity and clarity. An objector to the plainly taught truth of Scripture that by grace are you saved through faith gave me a retort. After I made the point that Jesus said everything to Nicodemus that he needed, and that's to believe in him. The retort that I received used verses that Paul the Apostle wrote decades later. In fact, about 60 years later when Paul wrote those verses. And by the way, that retort included those verses completely taken out of context. And not only so, but the writer attributed those words to Jesus and not Paul. Let me dive into this. If we're doing a Bible study on prayer, we might go to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 27. That's the first use in the Bible of the word prayer. And that's always good Bible study when we go to the first use of a word. Then we might go to Job. Job talked about prayer fairly often. And he was known in the world as a righteous man and identified by Satan as one that needed to be tried. 
But we might glean a lot in a Bible study about prayer by also going to Job. Now Psalms, David now comes into view. David included about 40 verses about prayer. And any good Bible study on prayer should include some of those verses at least from the Psalms. Then you go to the Gospels. The word prayer is found in three of the four Gospels. There it is. And we would gain from a study on what the Gospel writers said about prayer. And then you come to the Apostle Paul. Now, he taught us so much. Right there in the church age, in the church epistles, as he talks to believers about prayer, There is so much to glean, and our prayer life will be richer as believers by studying the Apostle Paul. And Paul probably understood prayer in a little bit of a different way than Job did, and David did, and Samuel did. So we gain from all of it if we study prayer. James chapter 5 says some very good things about prayer. Even Peter talked about prayer, and we would gain from these great verses all over the Bible. But now, when we try and define what is the requirement to be saved into everlasting life, must a person go anywhere in the Bible that we think might be talking about what to do to be saved into eternal life? Let me clarify this. Must a person read everything the Bible says about being saved and then cobble together a long list of whatever we might think each Bible writer commanded in order to have everlasting life? No, absolutely not. That's not at all necessary. And in fact, it's very dangerous. No one in the Bible was ever required to read the whole Bible to make a long list of things to do in order to have everlasting life. It's far more simple than that. Let me give you three reasons why it's very dangerous to think that Jesus didn't tell Nicodemus everything when he told him to simply believe. Number one. The gospel conversations that are in the Bible were real people snapshots taken in time as God so wonderfully gave us the events of Scripture. Abraham was a real man, and in real time he came to believe in the Lord that was talking to him. And the Bible says, sums it up so precisely in Genesis 15, 6, when it says, Abraham believed in the Lord, and he, the Lord, counted it to him, Abraham, for righteousness. Isn't that plain and simple? Abraham did one thing, and he was guaranteed by God that everlasting righteousness was his. Well, that's the equivalent of saying that he has been saved into eternal life. And God looks at him positionally as a righteous, saved man. Amen. That's good. And so we need not go anywhere else to find some other requirement because then we would be saying that it took Abraham more than that to be saved into everlasting life. 
Now, please understand, friend, we're not saying that Abraham never needed to do another thing but believe in his life for any other good reason. No, but referring soteriologically, that is regarding salvation into eternal life, Abraham did one thing. It's not that there weren't other wonderful things Abraham did, but not to be saved. Abraham was never saved by any good deed he did, but only when he believed in the Lord. And now another, Nicodemus. Jesus told Nicodemus just precisely to believe on him and gave him the promise there will be everlasting life. And there was not one other thing. Friend, listen, to refute this notion is to add to the gospel. To refute this notion is to claim the absurdity that Jesus looked at a man and didn't tell him the complete story of how to be saved. Here's another one. The Philippian jailer, Acts chapter 16 and verse 31. He's suicidal. He's about to kill himself. And Paul the apostle gave him this great and very simple and plain verse. Acts 16, 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Plain and clear. These individuals are frozen in time and we get the picture of their salvation moment and there's only faith alone and only in Christ alone and we're guaranteed that they were saved, these people, if they did faith in Jesus. Number two, these conversations in the Bible with these real people as God takes their snapshot and tells us that faith alone in Christ alone is the requirement for eternal salvation were God's very word for these people about what to do to have everlasting life and when God has spoken to these individuals that's what those individuals needed to do And God has never added another requirement to what to do in order to be saved. But what he told these individuals, and that's to believe or to have faith or to trust in Christ. And they would be saved by grace. Now, there's a lot being said today about how that faith is not enough. That God doesn't really, although he says it, he doesn't really want us to think that we could be saved by His grace, but only by our deeds. Is that true? No, it's not true. So that brings me to point number three. Listen, other verses, other verses that are not gospel dialogue verses, these are not real people's snapshots being told by God, maybe through another preacher, Paul or Peter, Luke, what to do in order to have everlasting life. Those other verses that seem to indicate good works, righteous deeds, the law, or obedience of any kind clearly have another context rather than simply to answer the question, how to have everlasting life from God. When we read Paul or James or David or any other Bible writer, they're writing the Word of God for us. 
But if they say something of being saved into eternal life, they must be referring to a different kind of salvation. If they add an element that is not faith in Christ alone. They're telling us the truth about something. But if the subject is how to have everlasting life, they always are going to say the same thing Jesus said. Same thing that John the Baptist said in John 3.36. The same thing that Paul preached in Antioch at Pisidia. Through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things. Amen. But when we read any of these other verses, if they include good deeds, good works, obedience of some kind, then they're writing to us about how to get some other benefit, something else that maybe goes along with our eternal life. Maybe they're referring to being saved from a temporary circumstance or as in James chapter 2, James is telling us how to be saved from judgment. Read the context, James chapter 2 and verse 12. These are believers who are already saved into eternal life, but James is concerned that they who are saved into eternal life are going to receive a negative judgment because they're not serving the Lord like saved people should. And so he tells them the way to be saved from that judgment is by serving the Lord through good works. Is that good? Is that good? But when it comes to having everlasting life, the Bible is clear and redundant. It gives a very plain message that eternal life only comes by God's grace, and that grace only comes by faith in Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12, Paul, who was a defender of the purity of the gospel message in so many places in the Bible, said it like this. 2 Corinthians 3 now, verse 12, seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And friend, we need to use great plainness of speech. And there is no other category of speech more important than when we tell another set sinner how to have eternal life by believing in Jesus. Let's keep it clear. Amen. This episode is a production of Focus Evangelistic Ministries Incorporated. For questions or comments about this episode or another biblical topic, you can write to us at Focus Ministries Incorporated, P.O. Box 498, Danielsville, Georgia, 30633. For more information about our ministry, you can visit our website, freddycoyle.org. That's F-R-E-D-D-I-E-C-O-I-L-E.org. We hope to see you again for next week's episode of Focus on the Bible.